All right, let's pray. Uh, God, today as we, as we open up your word, we ask, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. And Lord, as we work through this uh, area in James and how James is so direct, and obviously things going on in that first century church that needed to be addressed and uh, the same things have gone on over the centuries in every church. And I pray today as we read through this and listen to what he had to say, look at these things in a little bit more depth that Lord, it would impact our lives we don't wanna just have open Bibles, we wanna have open hearts. We wanna receive what you have for us and Lord, we wanna be men and women who grow and are changed by your word, by the power of your spirit, applying that word in our, in our hearts and our lives. And we do wanna be world changers, God. We wanna make this world a better place. So give us those ears to hear, minister to our hearts, God, and be glorified. And Lord, I pray that we would be strengthened in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, last time, James was warning about the tongue and always a passage that, uh, at least for me, I don't know about you guys, at least for me, kind of hard to go through. And it's convicting and you gotta deal with things and Hopefully, you know, if God spoke to you, you spent some time in prayer and, and seeking him. And, and now he shifts it a little bit, but it's kind of still the same thing because now he's gonna talk about the thing that drives the tongue, and that's wisdom. And God breaks it down. There's two kinds of wisdom. There's wisdom from heaven, wisdom from God, and there's worldly wisdom. And that's it. There's only those two, and I don't think we need to confuse wisdom like with education or something like that. That's not wisdom, and we're gonna define it, and we're gonna get into it a little bit more. But hey, a lot of people say there's all kinds. No, the Bible says there's only two. And I'm one, I always choose the Bible. If the Bible says something, I figure the Bible's right and other people are wrong. So there's two kinds of wisdom and we need to decide which one we're going to pay attention to. Now here's what I believe, every single one of us are influenced. If you're born again, you're influenced by godly wisdom because you're born again, but you're influenced by worldly wisdom too because you live in this world. And we have to make choices and we have to think about where is that coming from and what is driving that. When I came to this church, it's 28 years ago now, a little bit more than 28 years ago. It was out on Hereford Road, down, down some of you uh, might know where it is. There's not very many left who were part of that original uh, uh, fellowship out there when we moved into town. But we were four miles down Hereford Road and we were way out there. I, was, I had planted a church in Bisbee and I was asked to come and take the church in Sierra Vista by the pastor. And, and it was something, hey, we did a lot of stuff together. We were, we were closest fellowship, so it should have been an easy transition. Should have been something that wasn't tough, but worldly wisdom got involved. And worldly wisdom got involved, and so some of the people from Bisbee decided they're gonna list pros and cons and look at things and, and kind of dissect this thing by worldly wisdom. And they caused a lot of trouble. They caused me personal heartache. It was difficult, it shouldn't have been difficult. 
And on the other side, there were people from Sierra Vista that decided they were gonna use some worldly wisdom and they caused chaos. My idea was to merge the two churches together since, since it was so far out there, it was close to Bisbee and we would merge them. Well, we had that going on and, and I gotta tell you, it was, it was heartbreaking for me and a sad time, something that should have been good. We should all act as Christians and as believers and, and not get involved in these things that, that really, really don't matter. And yet we all tend to do it, don't we? How many times do you read a church splits? I, I shared just, I have a good friend going through it right now because people are caught up in this worldly wisdom and they're just causing chaos. And that's what James says is the result of worldly wisdom. So here's what I do. I look at a situation and if there's confusion, chaos, gross things going on, then I know that's being, being driven by worldly wisdom, not godly wisdom. So James speaking to us, and, and I love the way he starts this because this could be kind of a James trap. Look at the very beginning of verse 13. He says, who is wise and understanding among you? Now, let's stop there. You guys look up, don't read on. Let's, let's think about what he just, think about what he just said. If, if you're hanging out and, and you know, there's a group of us and, and somebody says, hey, who is wise and understanding among you? Man, you're, woo, I am. And you don't, you don't know what's coming, right? And you just think, yeah. But what does that mean? Where does wisdom really come from? Well, according to Scripture, wisdom, I think, comes kind of in three areas. First of all, you have to be born again. And some of you might say, that's kind of narrow. No, you've got to be born again. To have godly wisdom, you have to be born again. And then the Bible tells us wisdom has its roots and originates in Jesus Christ. Listen to these couple scriptures. There's 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24. But those who are called, both Jews and, Greek, and Greeks, Christ, but to those uh, who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. In verse 30 of that same chapter, but of him you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Both times it says, who is Jesus? He's the wisdom. In, in Colossians it says, their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, attaining to all riches in the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom. So first of all, we need to learn to yield to Jesus Christ. If we want to have true wisdom, we need to yield to Jesus. We need to listen to him, and we need to listen and look at how he lived life, what he did. And then secondly, I think, wisdom comes from God's word. One of the great chapters, I didn't put it up here, but chapter, uh, the, the, uh, Psalm 119, right? That's the one we all love to read because it's a long one. People always crack me up when we're doing the Bible reading, they go, man, I didn't know that long psalm was in there. It's a long one, but read it sometime. It tells us where that wisdom, it comes from God. And, and then here's a couple passages in Deuteronomy chapter four, 
Moses is speaking and he says, surely I've taught you statutes and judgments just as the Lord my God commanded me that you should act according to them in the land which you go to possess. Therefore, be careful to observe them for this is your wisdom and your understanding. And we need to know that. James just said, who is wise and understanding? Well, where do I get that? From the word of God. And then, and then 2 Timothy, a lot of us have this one memorized, chapter 3. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have, you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise unto salvation. So when James is saying who is wise and understanding among you, when he's saying who is wise, we need to evaluate, hey, am I walking with the Lord? Am I? Am I being guided by the Holy Spirit? Am I hiding the word in my heart? You know, one of the reasons why we here uh, at, at this fellowship always encourage reading through the Bible in a year, it's not because we're, you know, some people think, are you guys trying to sell Bibles? No. We want you to get into the word, why? That's where wisdom is. And you bring the word into your heart, and then out of your heart, right? Out of your heart, you speak. So listen, who is wise? Oh, let's define wise. I like what, what one person said. They said maybe one of the best ways to describe this thing called wisdom, which is the correct use of knowledge, listen to this, is that wisdom refers to one with moral insight and skill in the practical issues of life. Wow, that's a good definition, isn't it? So how are you doing with the practical issues of life? How do you walk through the landmines of this thing we call daily living that we have to put up with? What are your responses in certain situations and how do you react to things that are going on? I think that's a good question. So who is wise and understanding uh, among you? I think now not many of us would raise our hand, right? And then here's what he says. Look at the end of verse 13. Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in meekness, in the meekness of wisdom. Oh. James wasn't asking us to raise our hand if we have wisdom and understanding. He's asking us to live our life to prove that we have wisdom and understanding. The person who has wisdom and understanding, here's what he says, man. His life reflects good works and it has that meekness in wisdom. Have you ever noticed people who have real wisdom kind of have that demeanor that they're sort of quiet people, they don't say a lot, they don't promote themselves a lot, but you just know, man, when they're in a room or they come around, you just know that person's got some wisdom. I want to listen to them. I want to hear them. And they're not boastful about it. They're not proud about it. They just have that meekness. And, and I think this goes all the way back to verse 1 of this chapter where he says, let, ne, let not many of you desire to be teachers. Because I think if you're a, 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 a decent teacher, you're going to have that sense of meekness and you're going to understand that, hey, it's not me doing this, it's God. So I love that James lays this out. Now he's going to give us some definitions and uh, let us know what wrong wisdom looks like. And that sounds kind of weird, doesn't it? You kind of, can wisdom really be wrong? Uh-huh. 
So he's gonna let us know what wrong wisdom looks like and then he's gonna let us know what good wisdom looks like. So he says the one who is really wise and understanding he has good conduct that his works are done in meekness and wisdom, verse 14, but there's that, there's that contrasting word, right? Remember in grammar how you used to have to dissect sentences and look at things and word means, words mean things? So you have this picture, but, and here's the other side of it, if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. So here's what he's saying. If you have those things in your hearts and you think you have wisdom, you're lying against the truth. Do you get what he's, he's saying? Don't go around boasting, thinking that you're all that. Now here's what I found. People who have bitter envy and self-seeking or selfish ambition, they're always boasting. They're people that are always promoting themselves and they're always talking about themselves and always trying to put themselves in. Here's the thing, man. If God does something good through you or uses you in a certain way, they get all upset. Why did that happen? Why wasn't it me? How come I wasn't there? I read a thing, and I'm sure this is just a story, but it's a pretty crazy story that there's a guy that is envious, bitter envy, and another guy that's real covetous. And the king, then they were arguing, and the king was trying to decide, how can I fix these guys? So the king brings them together, and he says, here's the deal. You, one of you is going to be able to ask for anything he wants, and I will grant it. But I'm gonna give the other one twice as much. Quite a dilemma, right? So the envious guy gets picked to go to make the choice. And he's thinking, oh, I surely don't want that guy to get anything. So here's what he decides. I want one of my eyes put out. You guys, the other guy got twice as much? Yeah. That's what envy does, though. It eats at us. And people have that bitter envy. And, you know, saints in the church, it shouldn't be. But it is. And then you get those people that have not just the bitter envy, but they have that selfish ambition. And they want to promote themselves and they want to push themselves ahead. And you see it. I, 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 I've experienced it in our ministry with people around us. And, and it's sad when you see that. I remember a couple years ago, I was up in Tucson. And it's been maybe 10, 15 years ago. I was in Tucson uh, teaching for uh, uh, Pastor Robert. And a young guy, it was a midweek service, and a young guy came up that used to go to our school when we had a school out on Hereford Road. And he came up, and I hadn't seen him in years. And man, it's good to see you. I said, what are you doing here? Because I know he didn't attend that church. I go, what are you doing here? He goes, oh man, you need to know something. Like this youth group is messed up, and I came to fix it. Oh, they are so blessed that you showed up. <laughs> and people do that, and listen, he says, hey, that's lying against the truth. And so when you see that in a person, you have to be careful. And then he says, verse 15, this wisdom does not descend from above. So here's what he's saying. That wisdom is not godly wisdom, but where does it come from? It doesn't descend from above. He says, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. Now, we need to think about that because, hey, I think it's important what he's saying there. Because it's something we're influenced by. He says that wisdom is earthly, sensual, 
and demonic. Now, when he's saying that, he's not saying the person doing that's demon-possessed. He says it's influenced by Satan. What are the three greatest enemies of our walk, of our soul? Think about the world, the flesh, and the devil. That's what we battle every day, right? I, I think you do, I do. I battle those things. And here's what he's saying, those are the areas that this wisdom comes from. And we need to understand that and we've gotta listen carefully to our own hearts and what's going on and we've gotta make some decisions. Is that something that's coming from the world or the flesh? Is it coming from a satanic influence? What did Satan convince Eve of in the Garden of Eden? By the way, personal opinion, I think Eve was driven by selfish ambition. God told her not to eat from that tree. You know, when God tells us things, we need to stay away from those things. Isn't it a good idea? Like if, you know, there's things in scripture you can read, God says don't do that. Well, why are you getting as close to it as you can without it influencing you, right? That's what I'm thinking. The whole time I'm thinking, Eve, why are you even there? Why are you hanging out around that tree? Of all of the places in the garden, you're hanging out at that tree. But anyway, I'm sorry, I'm getting off on. It just really bothers me. What bothers me more is Adam was not there with his wife, making sure to be there with her, to guide and, and direct her and teach her. Adam, where are you, doofus? Like, you're like not even on the scene. So, and, but what does the devil do to her? He appeals to that selfish ambition. Hey, Eve, you can be just like God. And that's what James is telling us here. Man, it's that, it's that selfish ambition and Satan is gonna come and feed that and our, 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 our flesh, hey, our flesh wants it. I think every single one of us, listen, every, I, I think you, unless you're dead, I think you have ambition in life. Now, now, I'm not saying ambition's bad. Selfish ambition is bad. But I think we should be people, hey, we should have goals. We should want to do things. We should want to look at things. I had, a, I had a guy call me Friday that's getting ready to plant a church, and I haven't talked to him in a long time. And, and, and uh, we had a conversation, and, and he started out, and he called, and he goes, hey, man, how are things going for you? And I said, you know what? The Lord's blessing. Things are going great. And, uh, you know, and, and I love our fellowship, and I do. And... Uh, and he says, yeah, he goes, but he goes, so, so a new year, what's your goals, what's your plans for the year? And, and on my end, it was like this. And I'm thinking, I'm trying to think of something really wise to tell him, right? Like, what would sound really spiritual and really good? Because I gotta tell you guys something, I'm not a planner. I don't sit down and go, here's what I wanna get done this year. Here's what I want to see happen. Yeah, yeah, I have. I have general things, obviously. But, you know, and, and some of the young hipster guys that I hang out with, they go, man, you just like drive us crazy. And they go, I go, why? And they go, because you don't plan things. And they go, you're so organic. And I go, that comes from Bisbee. So, you know, that's, that's where that's from. But man, listen, and, and I'm sitting in, and then here's what I thought, man, in that conversation, like now I'm embarrassed. And I'm thinking, do I not? Do I not have any ambition? Like, am I just a toad sitting around doing stuff? But I think we all do, and I think we all want to see things happen, and, and that's good, but when it becomes selfish, when you begin to use people to gain something, 
And trust me, it happens in the church. And people, hey, we need to bless people, not use people. We need to encourage people and strengthen people. And even as believers in the world, that's what we need to be doing. So we need to watch, is this coming from the world? Is it coming from my flesh? Is Satan tricking me? Because he's really good. He's really good at tricking us. He knows, hey, he knows our weaknesses. Like I am never, ever tempted to rob a bank. Like when I drive by a bank, I'm not sitting there going, oh man, help me not rob this. (laughs) Now I'm not gonna tell you what I'm tempted to do, but right, he knows us. And he's gonna tempt us in those ways. So he says, hey, that's that wisdom. And then he says, Verse 16, finish explaining this worldly wisdom. For when envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. So here's the thing, man. Just, just draw a conclusion from what he said. From what has, at, In the very beginning here, he said, if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition, you're lying about the truth. If you're, if you're being driven in this way, you need to understand the source and where it's coming from. And then he ends it with, hey, you guys need to know, Envy and, self, uh, uh, and self-seeking exist. What happens? Confusion, chaos, things are messed up. And then he says every evil thing. Now, I challenged you last week and I'm gonna challenge you this week again. Read the whole book of James to get an understanding. James wasn't just like, hey, I think I'm gonna write about these things because this would be something good because it's gonna plague the church for a while. James was experiencing these things in the church and that's why he's addressing them. Especially read chapter four. So James knows and he's talking about and he's seeing these things and hey, when, when we were doing the transition and I was coming here, all of a sudden, all of a sudden there was confusion and chaos going on. It shouldn't have been there. But that worldly wisdom influence comes in. And in our own lives, isn't that true? When you start messing up, it's because you're listening to the wrong wisdom. And things start getting messed up. Now, here's what I know. In chapter one, way back a few months ago, we read, if any of you lacks wisdom, you're sunk. Now, what did he say? If any of you lacks wisdom, ask for it. Now, here's, here's godly wisdom. We're gonna shift, and this is, this is where it gets good. Verse uh, 17, but there's that, there's that contrast there again, right? But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now, I just, here's the thing. I just read the two. You read the one list and you read the other list and the one list is like kind of gritty and tough. The other list is, ah. I want to be on the ah side. I don't want to be on that gritty side and, and, and hard side. But I want us to notice something. He says, godly wisdom is first of all pure. I believe godly wisdom is tied hand in hand with holiness. And us desiring to be pure with our our lives, our conduct, how we do things. That's godly wisdom. And, And 
I believe James put it in here because I think it's important for us to realize godly wisdom isn't something that's a compromise in life. You know, some people say, hey, we need peace at all costs. And we're gonna talk about, we're gonna talk about some exchanges here in a moment, but you know what? There are certain things we do not give up, period. And it comes from that purity. Listen, first of all, first of all, it's pure. Even one person I read said this idea where he says, uh, above all, or I'm sorry, wisdom from above is first pure, that pure is defining the other seven things that are brought up. I'm not so sure of that. I think, that, I think they're all, I think there's eight things that, that godly wisdom are, and, and uh, you know, but it begins. It's first, it's, it's priority is purity. And we need to understand that when God gets a hold of our lives, how many of us can testify God gets a hold of our lives, our thinking changes. Things change in our life. Now, I'm not saying, listen, I'm not saying we all become sinless. We talked about that last week, right? We're, you know, we're still battling this thing. But things change. We have that desire. We have a drive to be pure and wanting to do that. And then, and then he says, you know, something that used to always bother me. He says, first of all, pure, then peaceable. And again, being peaceable doesn't mean at any cost. But we're somebody who we begin to have an attitude where we're not combative with people. We don't go against people. And you know something? I, I kind of see that in Christianity in the 21st century. We want to come against the world. Why are we doing that? We're supposed to be people who are winning the world. Not coming against, not being combative. Hey, there's a lot of things in the world I don't like, but here's what I understand. There are people in the world, and the only way I'm going to change that is by sharing the gospel with them and changing them one heart at a time and then letting the Lord change them, and that'll fix that. I don't need to get all combative. So when he says peaceable, I think he's talking that way, that we need to be those kind of people. I was reading Chuck Swindoll. Like, Chuck Swindoll's my Bible hero, you know, or, or my modern-day hero. You know, I have Bible heroes. I got modern-day heroes. I got old dead guy heroes, you know. And, and you know, Swindoll's one of my, my all-time heroes. I love listening to Chuck Swindoll. I don't think there's any teacher that can hold a candle to Chuck Swindoll. I just love hearing his voice. I love the way he presents things. I love my favorite part is when he's saying something funny and he starts laughing. He laughs so hard at himself that you start laughing. It's not even funny, and you're laughing. But I love that guy, and he was telling a story, and this is a story on him. When he was in the Marine Corps, he decided to make this one guy his project, and he was gonna get him saved. Every day, every day, he would preach the gospel at him. He would share with him. He would tell him the things he's doing wrong, and every day after day after day after day, he's just gnawing away on this guy, and finally, I, after like a month or maybe two months, the guy said, I am never going to accept the Lord, and Chuck said, why? Don't you believe what I'm saying? He goes, you know what? I believe everything you're saying, but I don't like you. Why? Why didn't he like him? Because he was being that combative, horrible. Chuck said, man, that was like a, like a spear going right through his heart. Saints, are we that person in the world? Are we that guy? 
And so he says, hey, we got to be peaceable. And, and, you know, a lot, of these, a lot of these we don't need to define. Some we can illustrate gentle. Hey, are you gentle with people? I don't think, again, big definition there. We need to be gentle. Willing to yield. How about that? Are you willing to listen to the other side? Are you willing to let other people talk? Or do you have it? Hey, there are doctrines that I think, you know, we should be dogmatic about. Then there are other doctrines we need to just, hey, I believe it. And if you want to believe it, it's fine. If you don't, you can be wrong. I don't care. You don't have to believe it. And it's some of those like, I believe in a pre-trib rapture. And I believe strongly in a pre-trib rapture, but I'm not going to sit and argue with you for hours over the details and every, you know, nuance. And, and hey, we could, sit, we could sit for days. I remember a guy called me one time, and this was when I was still in Bisbee. This guy calls me, and he had been going through a hard time. He had lost his wife. She'd gone to be with the Lord, and, and he had struggled, and he called me. It's like 8.30 at night, he called me, hey, man, can we talk? Can we meet up at, the, up at the church? It was right above my house. Can we meet and talk? And I go, sure. So I go up there, and I'm wanting to minister to this guy. And I go up there, and he comes in with a three-ring binder. And here's what he says. We're going to settle this rapture discussion right now. <laughs> and here's what I said. No, we're not. I'm not going to argue with you for hours. Hey, if you believe that, that's fine. I'm not gonna, it's not, that's not a salvation issue. And I'm not going to argue with you. Do I believe I'm right? Yeah, if you want to hear what I believe, that's fine. And I'll listen to you to a point. (laughs) But I'll listen. And he says, willing to yield. But how about this even? Are you teachable? You see, I hear some people go, "Ah, I don't go to conferences anymore because I don't get anything out of them. Oh, you're that spiritual? Or I don't listen to anybody else because I don't get anything out of it. Oh, See, he's saying you gotta be that person willing to yield. You gotta have that, that teachable, that's godly wisdom. And then this one, this one, full of mercy. Oh. That's a tough one for me. I tend to see things as black and white. I think it's that gift of teaching in me, and, and I do. My wife, to complete opposite. Like sometimes I'm driving. This is telling on myself. I'm driving, people do something stupid, I talk about it. I'm glad there's not a recorder in my car. I'm glad there's no movies, I'm glad there's no audio. And I will just sit and, you know, I start in on them, you stupid, why are you doing this? What's the matter with you? And here's what Gaynell does. How do you know they're not rushing to the hospital because someone's dying? What do you bring that up for? (laughs) Why are you doing that to me? And she does that and then she'll, or, or, how do, you, how do you know their wife's not pregnant? And he, you know, she does that, and I'm going, Why, where's this mercy come? They cut me off. Come on. Are you full of mercy? Is someone you're willing to? Because here's what I know. All of us, we want mercy. Well, I think if we want mercy, we should extend mercy, right? And so as you're driving, if you're like me, try the mercy thing. You know, here's what I found. Sometimes I try that. Oh, They must be having an emergency. You know, you feel so much better. You really do than getting all worked up and mad. You go, oh, I wonder, oh, maybe I should get out and stop traffic for them so they can, you know, not cut other people off. So anyway, he says, full of mercy and good fruits. 
If you have good fruit in your life, I think that's just self-explanatory, right? You got, you got that fruit showing, going off of you without partiality again. Are you showing favoritism? Are you doing those things? And then the last one is without hypocrisy. And so James gives us that list, and it's not a hard list to define. Listen, I don't think we need a secret decoder ring. I don't think we need to get a bunch of stuff out. I think you simply need to read that, and you look at that and go, is that reflective of how I handle situations? And here's the thing. Listen carefully. If it's not, then talk to God about it. Here's what I know. I'm not always using godly wisdom. I know that. And I have to stop and talk to the Lord about it and say, Lord, I just blew it. And he goes, well, I was there. <laughs> and then I begin to pray about it. And I want to change. Listen, man, don't sit and make excuses. And don't say, oh, you know, I only do, you know, four of the eight things. Well, you do four of them then, you know what? Then you're not having godly wisdom. If you do one of the eight or don't, you don't have godly wisdom, just admit it. Something that bothers me is some people just refuse to admit things to God. If, you don't, if you're not using godly wisdom, God already knows it. If you tell him he's not gonna be shocked, he's not gonna be upset because he already knows. Why don't you just settle it with him and get it out of your heart and say, God, I'm not using godly wisdom. Oh, and then he wraps this up in verse 18. He says, now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So here's what he's telling us, man. He's saying, hey, the fruit of godliness is sown by those who, we need to be peacemakers, not troublemakers. And again, this used to bother me when I was real legalistic, but that was my problem, not the Bible's problem. Have you ever wanted to use a black highlighter in your Bible? Yeah, there's things you're going, man, eh, I don't wanna read that again, so I'll just highlight it with my black highlighter and it'll be gone. No, man, you read that and you go, God, I'm not doing that. That's the greatest Freedom you could ever have is coming to the Lord and saying, Lord, I am not doing that. And he goes, now we can work on it. Now we can begin to change you. And so my question to us is, which are we doing? Only you can answer that. Evaluate yourself. We're gonna close here in prayer as we stand up and pray, evaluate, be honest before God. Or even better than that, ask him to evaluate you. Well, you might wanna sit down if you're gonna do that. But allow God to show you and examine you. And there's nothing wrong with that. Oh, for homework, you need to read Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8 is all about wisdom. Here's an interesting thing. The word wisdom is used about almost 300 times in, in the whole Old Testament, the, the Hebrew word. It's used over 100 times in Proverbs alone. Wow. So you might want to read all of Proverbs, but definitely check out Proverbs chapter 8 and see what it has to say. And then ask God to make you the person that he knows you can be. Let's stand up and pray. Father, as we get ready to go, I, I do pray for myself, I pray for my brothers and sisters. And Lord, I do ask that your word would impact our lives. It wouldn't just be something we read today or something we talked about today or something we discussed today, but it would be something that changes us. 
And God, I pray for the faith to be honest with you. The faith to open ourselves up and let you have your way in our lives. God, I pray we would be people who we would come to grips with the idea that we're not always wise. We're not always loving, scripturally speaking. We're not always walking by faith and that we would be honest before you and allow you to change us. The whole purpose of the book of James is for us to grow up and the only way we're gonna grow up is by discussing these things with you in that prayer closet. So have your way with our hearts here this morning. And I'm gonna ask you to stay in an attitude of prayer for a couple more moments. And if you are here today and you've, you're not born again, in other words, you've never asked Jesus to forgive your sins, you've never asked him to come into your life and guide and direct you, then today is the day of salvation. You're not here by mistake. Maybe you came in on your own, maybe somebody invited you, but you're here on purpose. And God has a purpose for you. So if I'm speaking to you, oh, and you maybe you've come to Calvary for like 15 years, and all of a sudden today you know, you know right now, I do not have that relationship with Jesus Christ. Then you know what, say this prayer. I'll lead you in a prayer. The prayer's gonna admit that you know you're a sinner. Shouldn't be hard. The Bible says we, every single one of us have sinned. You're gonna tell God you're sorry for your sin and then you're gonna ask him to forgive your sin. The great news is Jesus Christ went to the cross so you could be forgiven of your sin. Maybe you're backslidden this morning. You know what? Come back to Jesus. Come home. Call on his name. Say this prayer with us. If you're watching online, right where you're sitting, right there in your, your living room or wherever you're at, bedroom, wherever you're at, you can say this prayer with us. You don't have to be in this building. You just have to call on the name of the Lord. So as we say this prayer, you can say it out loud or you can say it silently. Volume doesn't matter, but what matters is your heart. You need to be sincere. Jesus, today, I confess to you that I am a sinner. I'm sorry that I sinned against you. Right now, I'm asking you to forgive me. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. Thank you today for your forgiveness. And now I want you to come into my heart and change me. Jesus, I'm asking you to come into my life and guide me. Today I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. If you said that prayer and you meant it sincerely, I'm gonna ask you to put your hand up in the air, put it high up in the air so we could pray with you and celebrate with you, rejoice with you. Anyone in here today, greatest choice you'll ever make. I see yours over here on my right. God bless you.
up front. Anyone else? Great decision. Father, I thank you for that individual that said yes to you this morning and, and maybe others did, didn't raise their hand, but I pray right now you would make yourself real to them, that they would know standing here the God that you love them and you love them unconditionally. And by your blood that all of their guilt and their shame is washed away and by your blood they're set free from that bondage of sin. And now here this morning, you've wrapped them in robes of righteousness. God, and they can, they can stand and they can worship you. And for all of us, God, we wanna go out those doors and we wanna be people who influence our world. Make us world changers, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.